So uh, today I thought we would talk about, um, uh, there's a mountain blocking your healing. Amen. There always is, okay, So, or you'd be healed. <laughs> if there was nothing blocking it, you'd have it already. Or you would have the manifestation, we say, in the natural realm. Uh, but uh, y'all know what I'm talking about. So we're going to talk about how to get that mountain out of the way and, and um, that your faith is powerful enough to move it, amen, and cause it to subside and be cast into the sea. I thought I'd first start. Pastor Shirley received a word from the Lord that she wanted. Oh, I told her I thought we should, I should share it with you about, uh, what God is expecting, anticipating for us to have now. Uh, she was saying that, uh, God told her that we do have power. Amen. And God is saying, He says, I have increased it for my use during this time. Everything God does, in this season will be amplified. Amen. It, it will be mega. Amen. Uh, Job 20, 28 says, decree a thing and it shall be established according to the will of God for his glory. Your decree shall stand and not be opposed. Amen. This is the exceeding greatness of his power. Ephesians 3, 20. He is able to do exceeding abundantly beyond all we ask or think according to the power he has put inside of us. So this is the season to align yourself with my words and turn your face like a flint. Amen. Do not be distracted by what you see in the natural realm. Arise and shine and stand in your authority says, I have increased you and anointed you for this hour. The harvest is always ready for harvest. It's always white. says, uh, and he is doing it for his glory. Let down your nets for a haul. You will fish for men, souls in abundance. The nets will break. says, I have amplified everything in this hour, even your decree. No devil can oppose it. Amos 9, 13 through 15, it is God's decree. Things will be happening so fast, one thing after another. Amen. So God will accelerate time to accomplish his kingdom purpose in us, says the Lord. Amen. Praise God. Amen, amen, and amen. Amen. So God has given us a megaphone, amen, from which to speak. Praise God. Pastor Shirley said when she was meditating on it, she said uh, she kept seeing the uh, picture of, uh, of what, the car washes. She said and Avis in the corner with her megaphone. <laughs> she said and Mac would come out and say, y'all get up. I, why don't you on the corner? <laughs> Avis would point the megaphone at him and talk to him, blast him out of it. Amen. I said, we don't need to get up and go nowhere. We got a megaphone. No, that's right. Amen. So that's, that's, he's amplifying our voice. Amen. Amen. The megaphone takes all the labor and the work out of it, doesn't it? Amen. So, amen. So God is good. Amen. He wants to encourage us in his word and in the use of his word and in releasing his word in meditating on his word, spending time in the word, all of that will add to our benefit, amen. It's never a bad season to to uh, minister the word to yourself. 
meditate on it and stay confident in it. Amen. This is, this is what we need to do is not be so, um, lax and so casual about the power of God's word. We, we was really do have to remain confident in the fact that we will see the goodness of the Lord. Amen. You will see that thing that you're praying for. You're going to see those things. And so uh, this is what we need to do. When you get up in the morning, express your confidence in God. When you go to bed at night, express your confidence in God and thank him for that you will see the goodness of God. God, tomorrow morning when I wake up, I will see your goodness. In the nighttime while I'm sleeping, I will see your goodness. All the day long, I will see your goodness. Amen. And it will be there for you. You know, he hasn't planned anything negative, anything bad. He's planned only good for us. And it will come to pass. Amen. By our faith. Amen. Amen. So, okay. So, why don't you turn to Mark chapter 10. We're going to talk about the story of blind Bartimaeus who is blind no more. Amen. (laughs) Amen. Wherever he is, he got his sight, amen? So uh, so that's good. That was something that he was missing in his life. And it's just always good to see uh, God respond to a request for his goodness in a person's life. It's, it's good to see that response and how that happens. It's good to see a man who uses his faith. Uh, when all else seems to point to the fact that it won't happen, it did happen for him. And so that's always encouraging for us to see as well. So it's starting in uh, chapter 10 and verse 46. Uh, let me see. Is that where it started? Yeah. And they came to Jericho and he went out as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people Blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And many charged him that he should hold his peace, but he cried the more a great deal, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still. And commanded he be called to him. And they called the blind man saying to him, be of good cheer, arise, he's calling you. And he, casting away his garment, arose and came to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And he said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you whole and immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. So so we're going to talk about what transpires when you desire something from God. Amen. What is transpiring when you're desiring something from God? Many times we want something from God because what we have isn't adequate. It's not serving the purpose or we're missing something. You know, something's been stolen. So in the case of Bartimaeus, his sight has been stolen. Now you need to understand that we were created in the image of God, which means there was nothing wrong with us, never has been anything wrong with us. The problem is there is a thief afoot who will take things from us and as much as he can try to make us believe it's God. Man. 
So God is not the author of evil, even though evil happens in the world. It happens, number one, because Satan is the God of this world. When Adam obeyed him in the garden, that gave him permission to run things through Adam's soul or through Adam's being and every Adam that ever came into the earth after the first two have been subject to sin. We're born in sin, shaped in iniquity, as David says in the Psalms. Amen. We have a, a desire to serve God, but a nature that pursues selfishness, a nature that, that wants to survive the best way it can, wants everything for itself. Your, your carnal frame understands the limitations that it has. It understands lack more than abundance. It orders, understands sickness more than health. It understands poverty more than wealth. So it understands the things that are common to it or, or provided for by the God of this world. So this natural realm is Satan's domain. He, he wants it, he, he has it looking good to us based on our mentality of lack anyway. So, so the little bit that he throws you, the little crumb he throws you looks like something wonderful because you just expect lack anyway. Your soul expects that. That's, that's what the fallen nature does. It expects, it, it, that's, that's like, for instance, you go to somebody and, and you tell them you're healed and you obviously have some kind of ailment. Well, they'll challenge you based on what they think is normal and they see you as normal to this realm. So they'll argue you that because you say something other than what's common to them and what's ordinary in this realm, that there's something wrong with you. Huh? And so this is the way this world operates. It operates on the principle of you ain't got nothing, ain't gonna never have nothing, won't be nothing. If you get something, you either stole it. And you got it from God. And you know your life is blessed of God. But you fall under the condemnation of the devil because you dare aspire to something outside of what he offers you. Which is just to steal, kill, and destroy. And the more you serve him, the more he steals. That's how we come to Christ. We just run out. Uh, you run out of stuff. You run out of joy. You run out of purpose. You run out of desire to do anything. You run out. You just run out. And you begin to question, is this all there is to this life for me to live like this and work hard and struggle and continue to run out? And that's when most of us find Christ. I mean, if you're sincere, you keep seeking. Because there's once that, that light of there's something else out there comes to you, that never goes away until it's fulfilled. Amen. That's God speaking to you. To come on over to my side. Huh? There is something more. There is abundance. There is life outside of the life that you, you have known all your life. 
There's something else. And so once we're enlightened like that, and we follow up on that enlightenment, we go, we, we follow that little glimmer of hope, that little glimmer of light, it will lead us to the kingdom of heaven. Amen? It'll lead us to God. And so once the enemy starts stealing, that's a, a indication that he's dominating in your life. He wants to continue to steal. He wants to continue to have you expect very little and then make you think it's God that's causing all this stuff to happen in your life. Now, in a way it's true, in a way it's not. Whatever God does, God can reverse. You know, people will argue back and forth, well, God doesn't give you sickness and God, he don't have no sickness to give nobody. You know, and I know one thing, God is all powerful. And if you do have sickness, you can go to him about it and you don't have to know where it comes from. Just go to God to take care of it. Amen. Let's not quibble about potato, potato. <laughs> That's another trick of the devil to keep you quibbling about Where some came from, remember who sinned, him or his parents, that he was born, yada, yada. Huh? When God pronounces something, it's pronounced. Well, he told Hezekiah, he said, pack your stuff. You get ready to leave up all out of here. He said, you will surely die. Surely die. Surely die. And what did Hezekiah did? He petitioned for his life. Amen. So I don't care what it is that's transpired in your life. You can petition for your life from God. Amen. You go to God, you can get every curse broken. You can get every everything stolen, returned. You can get everything come back to you. Because he's almighty God. And his his... He's a merciful God. His mercy is the biggest part of him. The Bible says his mercy is everlasting. Amen. It means it stretches from beyond to beyond. It's everlasting. So the biggest part of God is his mercy. It's not his judgment. It's not him wanting to curse anybody. It's not him wanting to do anything. The curse came upon us for our own good. So we wouldn't live eternally in sin. Even the curse had mercy in it, folks. Come on now. You know, the seal of the curse in the garden was that they were locked out of Eden. Eden was where everything that was everlasting was. Suppose he let them go in and eat of the tree of life in a sinful condition. We'd live forever in sin. We wouldn't be like God. We wouldn't have his holiness. We wouldn't have his righteousness. We wouldn't have any of those things. So the curse itself was a sign of mercy. Now, don't get so hung up on words, you know what I'm saying, and how they sound, and, you know, people, oh, that's the curse. I'm redeemed from, you don't even know what that means. 
we've never even lived in a realm where the curse was really active. It was all, in this dispensation, it's always temporary until we claim the redemption of the blood. Amen. It's not that powerful, folks. It can always be removed, period. Now, if you were an Israelite, you'd have to wait 70 years before Jubilee came and you could get freed up from some stuff. Or many times you'd have to wait wait 10 generations for that curse to wear off. But we're not there now. So that curse has been broken. It's It's very, very weak now compared to what it, it used to have strength under the old covenant, but it's very, very weak now. There's no curse on the new covenant. You know, people say, sit up and say stuff like, well, you know, if you do that, you're under the curse. Use a lie from the pit of hell. Huh? Even sinners can get mercy. Huh? The Bible says that, that a righteous person can pray prayers where even somebody who's disobedient can receive mercy. How you think Babra and Man Man and all them selling drugs and, and running women all night long, how you think they still walking around? There's great mercy out here. So don't be so quick to get all upset that stuff is irreversible. You know, we need to take that kind of thinking away from us because, see, when you want to get something from God that you really need, if everything that pops up in your mind is negative or it's a curse or it's this or it's that, it's the, I can't have that because of this, I can't have it because you know, you'll, you'll mess your own salvation up, you'll mess up your own redemption because you think this big thing, this curse out here is so great against you. Not since Calvary. Huh? Not since the cross. You find out how to bow down at the foot of the cross and pour your heart out just like Hezekiah did. He said, God, if you kill me, do you know, well, who's going to be here to worship you? Who's going to be here to praise you? Who's going to be here to? That's my job. And I, st- I intend to stay here and do my job. Huh? I'm serious. You can always plead your own case. Amen. <laughs> God, I know I messed up. And I'm almost scared to live every day for fear of messing up again. Ever been there? (laughs) Amen. Huh? But your grace is sufficient for me. I know, you know, I know I'll probably make some mistakes and I'll feel bad about it, but I'm going to come right back here to the foot of the cross and let the blood cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And get up and start all over again. Amen. Or could get up and continue on from where you left off. Before you got derailed. Amen. Let's keep moving. You know, people in the world are funny. They, 
they live any kind of way and then want to start condemning you because you live for God. I'm like, when did you get to be the moral authority about sleeping with everybody and snorting everything and breaking the law, cheating on your taxes, doing everything that the law don't allow? Then you want to come and accuse me of not being a good Christian. What would you know about it? It's the truth. The devil got a lot of nerve. Nah. He'll steal your health and then blame it on your bad living that he enticed you to do. That's true. Said, girl, you know you can go on and smoke that. You ain't gonna get addicted. <laughs> that now you can quit anytime you want to. Huh? Oh, go on, do it. Then after you do it, and you want to go to church because you feel bad. Look at you. Look at him. Sat up there and smoked that stuff like that. You don't need to go to no church, you old hypocrite. Stay home with me. Don't go nowhere. Call your girlfriend and get some motor smoke. Get you a bigger blunt this time. Huh? True. (laughs) True that. So this is the enemy's work. This is how he operates. He's the accuser of the brethren. Amen. Likes to accuse people day and night. Another man's sin is not your business. We're told to judge ourselves, not each other. Huh? We're going to learn how to mind our own business. Huh? God God is going to see to it. Going to see to it. So here's here's Jesus coming out of the city of Jericho. Now Jericho has an interesting history. It was one of the first, well it was the first, well after the crossing of the Jordan I will say this, it was the first battle, uh, place of battle for Israel. That was the first city that they were taking over as children of God. Because there was a transgression of God's instructions as to what to do with the the spoils of that city, uh, it was cursed. There were some some Israelites who stole some of the the um, um, belongings, I guess, or the spoils of war. When when God would tell them to take a city, He would tell them what to do with the contents of that city. With the people, with the cattle, with the uh, wealth of that city. And so there were some people, some Israelites who stole some of it and hid it. And when they went up to the next battle of Ai, they were defeated in that battle and they didn't know why. Joshua didn't understand why and God told him they're sinning the camp. And as a result of that, Jericho was cursed. The city of Jericho was cursed. And it was prophesied that whoever would rebuild the city 
would do it with the body and blood of their own children. And that's exactly what happened. That city was rebuilt. It was a beautiful place at one time, but at the time when Jesus was um, ministering, it was like a den of thieves. It had actually gone into desolation and, and not many people lived there. And so living, being outside of that city was both dangerous and could be beneficial. But because Jesus was ministering in that city where he came out of there, there were many people sitting on the outside of the accursed city because it was dangerous in those areas. And so here you see a blind man, Bartimaeus, taking a chance on being able to get just something to survive for another day. Oftentimes people who were blind or halt or lame or who were beggars were placed there by somebody. Or somebody brought them from their home and sat them there and they sat there all day long begging for what, just for a living, to have something to live off of. That was his normal thing. So he's sitting outside the city of Jericho, and he hears that Jesus is passing by. And he begins to cry out to him, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on us. Now, when they would use that phrase, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on us, that was a a phrase that they were was commonly used to refer to the Messiah. The Messiah would come from the line of David and he would be the one who would save Israel, would redeem them. All those great promises that came would come through the son of David. So have mercy on me really means I'm not, I'm not sure I measure up. See, people in Israel, they have a covenant. Of health. You you were supposed to be healthy all the time. If you're an Israelite. You obeyed the law. You took your offerings and your sacrifices. When you broke the law, the priest ministered to you. And you were entitled to divine health. But if you had a breakdown in that system anywhere, you would be stuck sick. You would be stuck lame. You would be stuck. And see, this really grieved Jesus because he would go into the nations, the cities of his own people, and he saw a lot of sickness. He saw a lot of poverty. He saw a lot of things that did not line up with the covenant they had with God. Now, it wasn't always that the people were so bad. I mean, how much damage can a blind man do? He can't rob nobody. He can't hurt nobody. You understand what I'm saying? Or the man by the pool. He'd been laying there 18 years. And so there's a breakdown somewhere in God's system of providing health for his people. So where is it? Look at the lepers who are outside the city. Same thing, begging, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on us. The breakdown was when the priesthood. If you don't believe that was broken down, why did he go through the temple with a whip in his hand chasing everybody out of there? So the cleanup needed to start with the ministers. That's where the breakdown always is. 
Mr. Bart, you shouldn't talk about people. I didn't name no names, but y'all know exactly who they are. You wouldn't have been upset about that. But you got people that don't even pray for the sick, collect big offerings, and live, live in big mansions. And ain't got one person healed yet. It's really called the Great Commission. It's, it's not a high, you know, this is like everyday Christian living for, for us, supposedly. Huh? But we get a little bit of understanding of the word and go find a building, go find some people and call it church. Huh? See, we haven't been sitting home for three months for nothing. God doesn't let churches get closed up because we doing the right thing everywhere. Huh? Myself included. You know, I'm doing what I think the best I can, but I'm praying, God, you know, there's more. There's got to be more. If there's more, I'm in line for it. Tell me what, what's what, what needs to be done, how to do this. You got me? We all got to check ourselves. You know, I'm not pointing a finger at nobody without pointing it at me. And so, really, when you think about it, there's correction, much correction needed in the priesthood. Yeah, you know, people, you, <laughs> we walk by people all the time who are begging on the streets like Bartimaeus. We don't stop. Because we don't really know what to do when we stop many times, you know. We'd like to help them, but we're not sure. We, what's not a faith is sin. You understand what I'm saying? But it's not right that we should have people who don't have certain advantages. Amen. But especially in the church. Because we're all covenant people. So we should be able to get prayer for anything, any need that we have, but we can't get it in many places. It's not offered. It's not taught. Believers that do have a heart for the homeless and the street people keep walking by because nobody empowers them to do anything to make a difference. See? You know, all of these things... That we're commanded by God to do in the Great Commission. Not getting done in 90% of churches. Now they'll keep everybody fired up to go out and bring people to church and fill up the seats until the seats are full. And then after that, you understand what I'm saying? And that's not really evangelism. That's just recruitment. Huh? Or they'll get on television to make the job easier. Somebody see you on television, they feel like they you want to come in and be a part of what you see on TV. You know, people like that kind of stuff. If you on television, you got to be the hot commodity. Huh? So there was a breakdown in the function of the priesthood in Jesus' day. 
You know, he didn't just appear at that time for nothing. He appeared at that time to fill a void that was in in God's system that needed to be filled. And that's why he started out meeting needs of people. He could have just been a teacher, you know, and in showing them that there was a new kingdom about to come, what what it would entail, so forth and so on. But he came at a time when there was great need among the people for God to fulfill his covenant. There was a hunger there for righteousness. Here's Anna, 80 years old, I guess, or so, a little bit more, praying in the temple. You know, people don't get that old praying that long for nothing. She's praying because there's a need. She's praying because... She's looking around at the temple. She right in the temple praying where all the trouble is. My kind of girl. Hey, I like that. You'll go somewhere and hide in a corner. She probably over there. there. Oh, Lord, change this place. Clean this place out. (laughs) And Jesus shows up with a whip. She probably sitting up there. Hallelujah. Let's do that again. Huh? So there's a breakdown. Amen. Whenever there's a breakdown, God comes with a fix up. Amen. So he's coming to fix us up again, folks, whether you like it or not, whether you think it's true or not. Well, I listen to brother so-and-so preaching. I like him. That's all good. I tell you not to like nobody. (laughs) You know, people just keep your little binky. I don't care. And your blanket, too, and your blanky, too. Your binky and your blanky. But I know this much. When God saved you, he put his power in you for a reason. There are people we walk past all the time that need to be touched by the power of God. Amen. And God's directing us to fulfill that and fill up this void of love and power in the earth so that he can get some work done. Amen. So in Jericho... Because it's an accursed place, there's probably not much that can be done there. There is a a story, I think that young man that was, Jesus had to touch him twice. I think he was inside the city of Jericho, if I'm not mistaken. He brought him outside of the city in order to pray for him, for the blindness to go. And when, when he, Jesus asked him if he saw anything after the first time he prayed for him, he said, I see men as trees moving. So he got a little bit of sight, a little bit of light came in, but it was still blurred. So Jesus had to pray for him again. Jericho's a tough place to get somebody well. You understand when that's all, that was my point with that. Is that it's, there are some tough, op- uh, atmospheres in which to do miracles. That's why you have to wait for the leading of God to step in and, and try to do these things. You just can't do them at your own will, anytime, any place, anywhere. It's all good. 
you've got to understand that these things are done by unction. It's best if you, if you know you want to be used by God to live a life of prayer. And, and I'm not talking about just prayer, you know, when we get together or prayer when you need something, but prayer and worship when you worship God. You keep yourself in a position where you can hear from God and where you're empowered by God and do what, what you know God is leading you to do. Don't try to be exotic. You know what I'm saying? I mean, come on. Jesus is the only showstopper in this kingdom. Come on now. That we, <laughs> you know, we get all wound up about all this kind of stuff and, and all this, you know, it's like, uh, Jesus was talking about the, the guy that had the servants that, that did what he told them to do. And he said, when that servant comes in from working all day, do you think the master is supposed to sit down and wash his feet and all that kind of stuff and, and cater to him? He said, no, he's just doing what I told him to do. You don't get no big patty patty on the back and you all this and all that doing what you're supposed to do. Nobody's doing anything extraordinary. If the truth was told, we could all do more. Amen. Like the Bible says, be sober, okay? Just slap yourself three times and say, girl, get sober now. Come on. It ain't like all that. Amen. Amen. (laughs) Bartimaeus sat at a place. The gate of a city was a very busy place. He was there at the gate outside of the city, which meant that he was in a place where he wanted to be noticed. Now, at the gates of the city, there was where people came to argue court cases, where they came to barter, buy and sell, where they came. It was like uh, the courthouse mixed in with the marketplace mixed in with the uh, priesthood to a degree because the elders at the gates of the city were anointed by God to hear certain cases uh, that would come to their attention. And so it was a place of contention in ways. It was a place of strife. But it's also a place where peace could be found and justice could be found as well. So the fact that he's sitting at the gates of the city really means that he has a chance to get justice, and if he presses in for it, he can probably come out victorious. Amen? Because that's something common that happens when you go before a judge or you go with a case that you're trying to get judged in your favor. So here Bartimaeus is. He says they went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people. Now, there were always... a great number of people following Jesus. So when blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the highway side begging, then he notices that it's Jesus of Nazareth who is coming by. So all of a sudden, he has to make a decision about where he's going to put his faith. Hello. got to do this it's you know trusting god ain't no just automatic thing i'm saved i trust god huh you have to make that decision 
It's an individual decision. And God knows if you're holding on to the world or if you're really trusting him. In fact, he's going to make sure you trust him in order to get what you need. Amen? Because that's the best way to live. And he knows it is. And so here Bartimaeus is, and he's crying out, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Now, everybody who saw him said that. The Syrophoenician woman, she didn't know nothing about what that meant. She just heard somebody say it. I mean, she's a Greek. She don't know anything about Hebrew. She don't know nothing about the word. She don't know nothing. She said, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Everybody else saying they get what they want. I'm going to say it too. I don't get what I want. Huh? Brother so-and-so said, confess the word 50 times a day and you'll get what you want. Oh. Now, don't we do that? Instead of going to God and say, God, how do I get this? What do I do? We go with somebody's piece of paper. Some you just got in the mail because you sent them $5 15 years ago. you still on the mailing list. Huh? True that. They no more know your needs. But anytime you send the word out, somebody's going to need something that that word supplies. The word does that automatically. That phrase, son of David, meant different things to different people. To the Israelite, it meant thy kingdom come. It meant that the kingdom was come to them. Because the son of David was commonly known as the Messiah who would come and do all things. His coming meant different things to different people. Son of David, have mercy on me means you're calling the one in authority who can do something about your condition. Amen. Same thing we do when we call the name of Jesus. Amen. That name was not conferred yet with power and authority. And so they use the phrase son of David. In calling on God, you need to call on him in the manner that you need him. When we call Jesus our healer, he heals. Don't be afraid to call on God for what you need. Amen. And it be immediate in calling for him. So when Bartimaeus was quickened with the knowledge that Jesus was coming by, he immediately called out to him and said, son of David, have mercy on me. And they said right after that, people began to tell him to shut up. Don't disturb the master. Huh? You know, herd mentality can kill you. You, you, you believe the wrong words from the right herd or the right herd, words from the wrong herd. And, and it can kill you. It'll kill your faith. It'll kill your understanding. Also, the right words from the right herd can increase you, can increase your faith and increase your understanding. 
But you've got to know that no matter what the herd says, there's something inside of you that wants God. And you have to let that thing prevail. So you got to let your faith prevail over the people. You know, and there are some people who ain't believing with you one bit, but they'll never tell you that. Huh? They just go along with your little whatever, whatever. You think they witch you, and then all of a sudden one day you find out, you mean to tell me that's what you really believe? <laughs> you need to say, when that happens, you need to say, glory! Finally found out the truth around here. My so-called buddy, buddy, bestie, bestie, whatever it is, ain't no more dug in there with me than nothing, huh? But I love them anyway, but I ain't going to follow what they do. Huh? So he began to cry out, verse 47, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many charged him that he should hold his peace, but he cried the more a great deal. Now, son of David, have mercy on me. See, this is a point where you're either made or broken in what you want from God, especially health. Because many times you'll get this pressure. You know, the first time you look at something on your body, it's not right, and you say, well, I'm healed. Thank you, Jesus, for healing me. That thing will talk back to you. What you mean you healed? Don't you see me sitting up here looking at you ugly? Don't you know that if I I can live here and I can stay here, I'm a ticking time bomb in your body? Don't you know if you don't take me serious and pamper me and get scared of me and go around telling people that I'm on here? (laughs) That I could kill you? Huh? What did, what did Jesus, the, the Jesus, <laughs> let me, let me go back to, let me, hold on a second. I'll find this for you. Oh, it's right next door. Cool. It's in Mark chapter 11. Go to Mark 11, right next door, same page, you don't have to go nowhere. Verse 20. No, verse 14. Jesus, uh, okay, verse 12. And on the morrow, when they were come to Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing a fig tree afar off, having leaves, he came, if perhaps he might find anything on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for the time of figs was not yet. And Jesus answered. He answered. Answered what? That tree didn't talk. Yes, it did. It said, I ain't giving you no fruit. He answered and he said, well, you ain't going to live no more for nobody else either. Curse you. Huh? Now, you going to tell me symptoms don't talk to us? Your symptoms say, notice me. I could kill you. And I'm going to kill you. And I'll get the doctor to tell you I'm going to kill you. Just go right over to doctor. Don't feel good at all. 
doctor that don't never had a right answer for anything. See, when you serve God, you get about 15 know-nothings before you stumble into somebody who really knows what they're doing. Because the devil really does mean to kill us. Huh? Something, sometimes simple things. Like all the people that thought they just had a flu and was going to ride it out. Sickness ain't no joke, folks. You can't play with that. Let the devil play around with you. With you know what I'm saying. Got to you. Got to attack that thing. And not only that, but then there's mountains that stand in front of your healing. Amen. Your symptoms are mountains, and they have to be overcome. You have to get it to the place. Where it used to be a mountain, now it's a level field. You got me? You got to take the mountain out of it so you can walk across over into there where your healing totally manifests. You got me? You can't pretend the mountain's not there. And you cannot worship the mountain. Huh? I know. No, I, I'm not. See, now I did go on WebMD. <laughs> what for? Worship that mountain, right? No, but I got faith. Well, where is it? Like the Baptist people, you say, tell me about it. Where's your faith? Something like that. Uh-huh. Yeah, tell me about it. What's your faith in? We all got faith. You make sure it's in the right place. Amen. No matter what you hear, no matter what they tell you, no matter what it looks like, how you feel, any of that, you've got to keep your faith in the right place. Amen. My... Uh, it, this is a stretch as far as example, but it's a, one that comes up in my mind sometimes when I think about faith. Faith is is like a gambling chip. Amen. I re- remember when I would we would go gambling in Las Vegas, my husband and I, before we were saved. So you get that straight. But <laughs> if it if it's after I'm saved, pray for me, okay? But. Uh, he would get so mad at me. He said, why did you take that chip off of there? Because if he would turn its back, I'd get a better idea. I'd just move it someplace else and move it. <laughs> Even the, what do they call those guys? Croupier, whatever. They're, the, they're not dealers or with the cards. This was just crap. So I, we didn't play roulette. That's a sucker's game, just so you know. Not that you need to know, but just so you know. But um, in craps, they would... You know, pull the, take the stick and move it. And the, the little guy would look at me like, again, lady. You know, when they start treating you bad, you know you made a, 
And my husband's expecting when that comes up, he's expecting a lot of money. He looks out and moved it. You know what I'm saying? Don't do your faith like that. Amen. Leave your faith where it's connected to God. Don't keep moving it around. I'm over in the doctor one time, then I'm over in God one time. Now, Now you can go to the doctor, but don't put your faith there. You understand what I'm saying? Keep your faith in God. It works better that way. You keep him in charge of everything. And then pretty soon you won't need the doctor. You won't need medicine. You won't need any of it. But there are tons of things that stand in your way in opposition to the exercise of your faith. For Bartimaeus, it was a crowd. Group think. What does the group think about what you're doing? Huh? Now, if you're looking for people to pat you on the back when you go to serve God, I got another thought for coming for you. Even the ones who are devout and devoted can't prop you up enough to let your faith work better for you. You got to work this yourself. Even with a prayer of agreement, I'm agreeing with you for the outcome that you're expecting by your faith. you got to stay engaged in it so that it'll come to pass. I remember praying with somebody coming into agreement they were going to be able to get a vehicle. They had, had an accident with their current vehicle, got a certain amount of cash money. They were going to get their... Uh, Next vehicle with that payout from that. Next thing I know, I come to church and they say, did you see my new vehicle? I said, what new vehicle? Oh, God brought that through for you. Well, they went and got something totally different. Got a note. You understand? Downhill from there. I was so mad. And the Lord told me, he said, no, you calm down. He said, because this is... He said, this is common in in this kind of work. So you look girly, just. And I'm thinking, what is the prayer of agreement for? And God's like, you ain't feeling as bad as I do. I got to deal with this with everybody. You just dealing with one person. But think how many people go off and leave what God has for them. Huh? Because they can't handle the pressure. Get this, get that, get that, get that, get that, get that, get that. Look at this. The next shiny thing that the devil has out there for you. There's tons of them. Huh? There's tons of them. And see, many of us are not sold on God's best for us. We want the next shiny thing. It's like you leave Jesus holding the bag. He said, where'd you go? Huh? That's why many times we got to tough it out. We got to 
snort and snot. We got to wait. We got to pray. We got to give up. We got to come back. We got to worship some, bow down some, get up some. And we still don't have it yet. You understand what I'm saying? He's getting that twinkle, shiny thing stuff out of us. So we don't run off with the first thing that looks like it might be an answer. And get ourselves right back in trouble again. Amen. These things are important. It's important you understand faith. You understand the importance of of connecting with God and staying connected. No matter where you go with it. Sometimes you keep banging your head into the mountain and banging it into the banging it into the mountain. That's only one knot on your head. <laughs> You're going to have some more before you get. You're going to have a whole lot more before you get what you want. It's just true. Some things will come easier. That's so you don't get discouraged. I think God will allow you to have some things that you can just stand in faith for, not have to go through a lot of difficulty. But you're going to have to pay the price of faith for something, folks. You're going to have to pay the price of speaking that mouth or that scripture wouldn't be in there. Now, if everything came instantly, there'd be we can rip that right out of the Bible. But that's where most of us live most of the time. It's speaking to the mountain and commanding it to move. If a blind man begging can do it, we can do it. Those people that were trampling down Bartimaeus, do you know how hard it is to live by somebody else's kindness, cast off, generosity, You can't afford to offend anybody. When you're a beggar, you can't afford to make enemies. You got to make everybody your friend. Because you never know who might have an extra coin on them. When? That's the most passive life. That's the most accommodating life you'll ever see. Because they can't afford to rub anybody the wrong way. Anybody ever felt like that? You know, I, I mean, I'm, and then you begin to understand God a little bit more and you realize, well, I just need to please him and, and love people. I mean, you can't be mean to people and mad at people and, and live right, but you, you, you don't have to be beholden to people. And, and then when the opportunity comes to choose God or man, you got to choose God every time no matter how mean man is to you or how much man tells you, you can't have this. You know, religious people are just hateful. I mean, they like beating you away and, you know, that's all it was sometimes around Jesus here, Pharisees, you know, they said, oh, this guy's got a crowd. Let's get in the crowd. Look like we got something too. I mean, that's that's what an entourage is, huh? 
you know, here's Jesus, and he's just walking through looking for people with faith. He's all these bodyguards and ushers and Pharisees, lawyers, people arguing. I mean, a big crowd. And he's still, his spirit is still strong enough to pick up the people who have faith. Amen. Your faith, if you express faith in God, it never goes unnoticed. It's always noticed by God. I don't care the goofiness around you, the nonsense around you. Look at the people who get healed or get saved in a church where there's nothing but religion. You ever wonder how that miracle happens? They just have a sincere heart in the wrong place at the right time. Jesus pulls people out of situations. He will save you out of your religious upbringing. He'll save you out of your your church that never does anything. That young man that that he uh, gave gave sight to, and they kept drilling him and drilling him about, well, how'd you receive your sight? Well, who was the man that told you? When did you get it? How'd you do it? Then went and quizzed his parents. And the parents dummied up because they didn't want to be thrown out to church. Huh? And Jesus went and found him and told him, go and sin no more. In other words, quit going to this dumb synagogue up in here. If you're going to keep your sight, now you got to. Just saying. That's how I read my Bible. I don't have it right here in front of me, but. I have a pretty good memory for these kinds of things sometimes. You understand what I'm saying? It's, your sin is, is embracing unbelief. You know, some people say, well, I got, I pray in tongues, but I like my church. See? You just made your choice. Well, see, my kids are involved in shenanigans. Huh? They got a they got a children's church. Yeah, coloring books until they forty. Let kids go to church and color. That's just hey. If it's a warning, it's a warning. Don't bring it up in here. I remember when cell phones first came out. I used to have all the cell phones put in the box. Remember at the door when we have conference? I said, I'm not going to look at the tops of y'all head. Put them cell phones in a box over there. So the minute you start praying for health, healing, or whatever, resistance comes. Is your mountain. The mountain shows up right on top of your prayer. Amen. For some people, it will be uh, not feeling worthy. 
You know, Jesus, I know you can, but are you willing? Sometimes we think it's we can say, do the best we can in the faith that we have and ask and believe we received it and then go away feeling like, well, it's going to take a long time because we set a time on it. Who told you? Huh? See, those are the resistances. It, it Every day you get up, it's going to be something different. Because the devil never runs out of lies. He's the father of it. So the minute you bat one lie down, he make up another one. But have you, have you considered this? Huh? Your best thing is not to consider what he's telling you to consider. The best way not to consider things is build yourself up more in the word of God. Don't sit up and try to deny he said it or deny it keeps popping up in your mind every time you think about your situation. You got me? You know, people people live in this mentality of weakness, sometimes worthlessness, frustration. I don't want to wait forever. All of those are resistances. What do you care how long it takes? You have eternity with Christ. Huh? If you're living an eternal life now, what does it matter to you? As long as you're comfortable, you can function, you can basically do what you want to do. And if, if you don't have what you need, you can always seek the Lord. He'll send somebody that can take care of most of the things we need to have done that we can't do. There aren't that many of them. And so if we have have that degree of comfort, don't let that nagging symptom bug you. I'm going to say it again. Don't let that nagging symptom bug you. Look at it as a, A friendly reminder to praise God every time you see it. Oh, this, this is just my friendly reminder. Huh? Dress it up. Give it a purpose. Sanctify it. Holify it. Huh? It's just temporary. It's just here to remind me to worship God every day until I start doing it on my own faithfully, day in and day out. And it'll get so scared of me after a while, it'll leave here. It's the truth. The Bible said Abraham considered not. That doesn't mean he had a blank mind all the time. That doesn't mean that it never crossed his mind that it may not happen for him. But when it did pop up, he looked up at the stars and he said, hi, children. And he looked down at the seashore at the sand. He said, hello, children. Huh? And he considered what God told him. That's what you consider in its place. It's called meditation. On the promise, meditation on the word, meditation on his goodness, having the confidence that you're going to see the goodness of the Lord. Amen. You got to be confident in these things. 
And the devil is there to make sure you never get confident. He wants to keep you wishy-washy. Some days you feel like you deserve to be blessed. Sometimes you don't. Depending upon how he to mess with your mind. How long did you listen to him? Now you're convinced you're no good again. Now you got to dig yourself out of that hole. The devil always plays on our weaknesses. Identify your mountain. God, whenever I start wanting something, I I get discouraged about it and I leave it alone because. Huh? Oh, and some of us don't even need to get that deep. Does God help me to stay focused on what you give me and not not think it's me? See, what happens is instead of looking at faith, like God is no respecter of persons, but he is a respecter of faith. Faith has no color, no gender, no spirit. So when that spirit of faith comes up before God, he recognizes that as what he will honor and not that it came from you, O ye of little faith. O ye that thinks you so bad and so rotten and so this and so that that you'll never get blessed. God, I'm showing you my faith. I'm hiding, but (laughs) I mean, whatever you got to do. Huh? Huh? Sometimes we feel like we need to hide. Huh? Well, God, I just thank you for honoring my faith. That's what got everybody over. Everybody from blind Bartimaeus to the centurion to the uh, ruler of the synagogue, from the religious to the rank out sinners. Amen. Everybody had to come by faith. And that levels the playing field. Because he doesn't care whose faith it is. Once they invested in him, it becomes his job to complete it. So, and this is all Bartimaeus is doing. He's looking for his chance to get what he wants. Persistent faith always comes home with the goods. Amen. It always bags the biggie. If you refuse to give up, if you let your faith persist, even in the face of opposition, here he is, these people tell him to shut up, quit talking, huh? hold your peace. He said, no, I ain't. Y'all been pushing me around all this time. You know, and, and like the Bible says, it says he threw off. And it's like, somebody hold my coat. Hold my coat. Huh? Hold my coat. Tell me what I can't have. Huh? Don't tell me I can't have this. I've been waiting too long. Y'all know what it's like to sit here every day. Somebody bring you here. I don't even know how to get here. I got to kiss up to y'all so I get somebody to take me home. 
I'm not doing it anymore. Huh? For me, it's now or never. I'm getting my shot. Their kind of faith makes Jesus stand still and take notice. Casual faith, weak faith, a limp confession, routine. I believe I receive my healing and I pray. Glory. Hallelujah. 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 <laughs> then you go off and turn on MTV or whatever. I don't know. Huh? <laughs> Empire ain't on no more. I, I don't keep up with stuff. Whatever. Huh? I remember when that was all the thing, even with Christians. Huh? So-called Christians on Facebook. Huh? Because we don't really understand that there is a resistance that's coming against us that can be easily overcome with persistent faith. You said he turned the volume up on his cry. Amen? What do we do to turn the volume up on our confession? You're getting the word more. You get it built up where it's more powerful in you. You know, you go to hit it the first time and you bounce off of it and you say, "Uh uh-oh. Huh? I'm going to charge this unbelief. I'm going to boom. Boom. Your shoulder's sore. God, I need something else now. I thought I could bust on through first time. Usually these things fall when I just walk by. What's wrong? You understand what I'm saying here in your imagination? But you need something else. You need to add to your faith. Huh? What do you add to it? The Bible says virtue. Huh? (laughs) I remember when Magic Johnson was first diagnosed with AIDS. And he was telling people that he had received prayer. He wanted to thank all the people that were helping him. And he referred to his wife. He said, my wife, Cookie, he said, she's stronger than any 10 men I've ever met in my life. See, that's the report of faith. You see what I'm saying? That's virtue. See, weak faith quits when the husband mess up publicly. I mean, they're Christians. Huh? What you going to do? You're going to do the right thing before God, for better or for worse, right? Nobody ever knows how much worse can get. So he casts away his garment. His old ways, fear, intimidation, settling for the status quo. He wants a new day, wants a new time. So Jesus stopped when he heard him the second time. Not the first time, second time. 
Sometimes your mountain is your best friend because it provokes greater faith out of you. I'm going to say it again. Because, see, people people still want, gimme, 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 gimme. I'm just going to sit here and just confess the word on my little hammock outside in the sun. (laughs) Give me another iced tea while I confess the word. Sometimes you got to put your do-rag on your head, take your jacket off. Tell me what I can't have. Tell me Jesus ain't going to do this for me. Don't tell me that. Huh? That's how you speak to your mountain. Huh? Now, mountain, you're here to remind me to worship God and to praise God. I'm going to tell you one thing. You ain't staying. Huh? You are not staying. You got to get up out of here. Because I'm going to praise him right now in your face. And I'm going to keep prophesying to you to leave. Amen. My mouth has got a megaphone on it. The volume's been amplified. It's been turned up. So when you talk to that mountain, that thing will leave. Unbelief and fear will let you go because they can't hold you because your faith is there to counter everything the enemy tries to put before you. Amen. So Jesus stopped. He asked Bartimaeus what he wanted. He still got to hear him say what he wants because for all Jesus knew he wanted money. That's happened to me when I prayed for sick people. They didn't want healing. They want finances. You got to say it. Don't call the dog if you want the cat. But once you declare what you desire, he hears you and he grants it to you. Amen. All right. Father, we thank you for your word and thank you for understanding. Thank you for goodness and mercy. Thank you, Lord, for helping us to be able to know the things that are rightfully ours and to possess them. So, Lord, we honor you and we love you. We understand the great thing that you're doing with us through your faith that resides in us. And we thank you, Lord. We bless you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen. 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 Praise God. Well, Lord, we thank you for the people who are here. Thank you, Lord, for the people on the Internet. I pray for each soul that they would be healthy and healed and whole. Thank you, Lord, that we are redeemed from the curse of sickness. Father, I thank you that the lying symptoms that try to hang on to us cannot stay. We can remove them with your word. So we command every lying symptom to go right now in the name of Jesus. I thank you for health springing forth in its place. Thank you, Lord, for greater health, greater wealth, greater prosperity, and greater strength in every vessel within the sound of my voice. And we honor you and we love you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen, amen, amen. We're done. Amen.